As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Going to talk some Cubs. Is that a threat? Uh, and, you know, I was just thinking as I was doing the intro and I um, I felt like I was going kind of fast there in the intro. And I think it's because I've been listening to podcasts at 1.2 speed recently. I don't know if you guys ever do that. It is amazingly efficient. You you get through everything 20% faster. So I feel like I'm consuming 20 more 20% more audio content. But I have now started to pick up the cadence of the podcasts that I listen to where they're talking like this because this is the speed that I'm going to uh so I apologize uh to you guys and to any listeners. I will try to take it down to a nice reasonable pace as we talk about the languid Chicago Cubs. Um I guess the other factor is they're on this West Coast trip, so the games are very late. They're extra late for me in the Eastern time zone, so I am, I'm all over the place uh, right now. So let's talk about um, the first two games of the Angels series. The Cubs dropped them both. It has put them in a position where they would have to uh, win the rest of this road trip, next four games. They'd have to win this finale in Anaheim and then sweep the Giants in order to come away with the 6-4 and four road trip that fair or unfair we had said at the outset was kind of necessary um so likely not going to happen and the nature of these two losses to the angels i don't know there was nothing necessarily that special about them they, they there was the come they they dropped a lead in the first one they were tight uh last night until uh mark Lair jr didn't have it and and that the angels kind of turned it on um so it was you know losses we've seen before but for some reason um i felt like a, a switch was flipping in me i felt like it was becoming oh yeah this uh they're gonna sell aren't they and 
sucks and I don't want any listeners to come away from this and, and any future discussions thinking that I felt like selling was always preordained this year because I didn't. And I don't think the Cubs built this team to try to lead to a sell. I think it was always a possibility because as we said for months, you know, this was, this was maybe if things go right, it's a mid eighties win team and that might be competitive deep into September. Um, and obviously that hasn't happened and we'll get into that, but I just, I felt like, okay, you know, it's, it's almost mid June. They are not making a move in the standings and you look at a team like the Reds that are getting hot. They got young guys coming up. They're beating the Dodgers. Cubs don't look like that. And uh, I think, yeah, I started to feel like sell mode is coming. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that, Brett, because that's that's exactly where I am. And in, in three three games uh, since we last recorded all losses, uh, it shouldn't – like emotions shouldn't swing like that that quickly. But, I mean, taking everything into consideration, I think we were just waiting uh, to see if they had – fight if they could prove us wrong and say no we're ignore the record the division is bad and we're going to get right back into this uh three losses in a row that just never really seemed uh I mean kind of exposed a lot of what we see wrong with this team and and just uh, things not really working the way you'd need them to for this team to surprise uh, am I saying that they're dead? Am I saying that they can't come back? No, but until until they show me that that's not the case, I'm looking at them as sellers. Like the that's the lens I'm looking at them through. Until they prove to me that I'm wrong on that assessment, that's how it has to be. That they're, they're is it nine games? Nine games under five hundred. Uh, seven and a half games out of a really bad division. I don't think the Brewers are a good team. Uh, I will say that the Reds have all the ingredients to to make that type of surprise run. They're, they, I underestimated them coming into the season because I I liked the Diamondbacks because they have the sim- similar ingredients and that's you know like some interesting pitching, uh, young pitching with the Reds in particular, and then young impact offensive talent. Exactly what the Cubs don't have right now as far as impact on offense. You don't. In order to surprise, a lot of times outside of those weird that weird Giants team two years ago, you need a bunch of young guys that come up and impact the team, and the Reds have that. And I think uh, if if I were going to bet on a team to win the division, I I just put it on the Reds. Why not? Uh, that they probably have a you know they're the most interesting and most fun team in the division. Uh, but as far as the Cubs go, I think so. There's some little things that stood out to me. I think uh, yesterday's game is the perfect example of David Ross being forced to kind of manage in a way that he probably doesn't exactly want to because he's been scared by his bullpen. I don't think he sends Jameson Tyon back out there for the sixth inning in an, if, if he has this stout bullpen that he trusts. Uh, I've been kind of a defender of Jameson Tyon and saying he's had a lot of bad luck, that ERA should be a lot better. Yesterday was one of those games where I thought he probably should have given up six runs through five innings. Uh, he was getting hit hit hard. He was struggling to put guys away. A lot of three ball counts. Um, and he expends all this energy and emotion to get Mike Trout out in the fifth inning. Uh, ends that uh, game still tied at two. Uh, 
has to be, you know, that's a pretty high leverage moment. A lot of energy expended in that moment. I I was surprised to see him back out there, but I think David Ross is thinking, I need to start pushing my pitchers more. I need to start going to these horses and riding them and, and not go to this leaky bullpen since I have like three guys that I trust. And I think he's like, how do I cover four innings every game with three guys that I trust? So I think he almost went against what he normally would do in that situation because he he knows that his bullpen can't be trusted. And granted, a guy that has been trusted struggled uh, yesterday in lighter. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's just a, one of the many things that I'm seeing this season that uh, that kind of like that's a big one. The bullpen, obviously, and the lack of trust in the bullpen, it changes how David Ross manages, obviously impacts games, close games. So it's it's a uh, I thought that that stood out to me last night when. When Jameson Tyon came back out for the six, I was like, wow, that's one of those moments where where David Ross would say if he pulled him and you asked him why it would have been like, well, he was getting hit hard and you saw that energy and like that excitement that he had after he struck out Mike Trout. It was the right moment. It was the moment to pull him, send him out on that high note and, and get my bullpen, which I trust, which he doesn't trust. Right. So he can't go to them in that moment. Even go back to the night before, the Cubs score four runs in the second inning. And, you know, this is where the whole series could turn if you knock out the other team's starting pitcher, make them wear down their bullpen, you know, let your starter cruise, uh, not wear down your high leverage A, A game relievers, and then win the first game of the series, put the other team on the defensive. And that obviously did not happen. And for any of our listeners who, you know, uh, fell asleep or this game, you know, it was kind of past their bedtime. Like you've seen this game before. Like it's like basically been sort of on repeat here of like, uh, you know, the Cubs are one pitch away from like getting out of a jam and they don't, or the Cubs put, you know, a couple guys on base. If only just get that one knock through, uh, you know, through the hole, it opens the game up. And it, it doesn't happen. And for me, maybe it's because I just see so many, like, uh, you know, posters and jerseys of Shohei Otani um, or, you know, the Mike Trout, uh, you know, kind of advertisements around Angel Stadium. Like, it's just really jarring uh, this week here of just, like, the Cubs don't have anyone in, in their lineup right now that makes the opposing manager – you know, really sweat or, you know, that name you circle on the lineup card, the person that you have to build your whole game plan around. And obviously watching the angels, you know, that pocket using, you know, everyone's favorite uh, manager term, like they have, they have that guy coming up uh, over and over and you see them making the game changing plays that just, you know, the Cubs haven't over and over. Yeah, by contrast, the Cubs, I think, and we, again, we it's not like we didn't know this, the Cubs offense was built more um, to try to be like that Giants team that Sahad have mentioned, where it's it's got enough guys that, you know, if this goes right and that goes right, and if we get the matchups we want and the platoons work and we can just sort of tweak this guy in this way, then, you know, you could squint and see an offense that was average or better. And, and I, I stand by that. You could on paper, you could see that, but the, the 
problem is when you're when your entire description is conditional, you know, when it's if this and if this and if this, that doesn't mean those things are going to happen. There is a flip side that it's like if, yeah, but what if, what if the other thing? What if the other thing? What if the other thing? And we've seen um, so many of those come to manifest themselves that I think it's made it easy to talk about it in terms of the lack of clutch hits, but it, it really ties, maybe not more, but at least as much to the fact the Cubs just don't have enough big time, um, consistent, always, uh, always coming through whatever the moment is. Not always coming through, but like guys like Otani and Trout, where it's sort of like you don't really have to worry about clutch situations because the margins aren't going to be that thin, offensively speaking, because you're going to have the big guys coming up that's, like Mooney said, that's going to make the opposing manager sweat. Where you're like, oh shit, now how are we going to get this guy out? Um, whereas the Cubs, it's like, you know, there is always a game plan there. And, you know, we've said this before, you only feel the pain of those lack of clutch hits because the Cubs aren't stomping teams. And so I just, uh, yeah, I think we're coming to see, and we'll, we can talk about the bullpen more if you guys are interested in it, because I think that too has, uh, some things about it have really hit me this week. Um, but generally speaking, I just think we're seeing a lot of the, flip side of the well if this and if that coin and and it's playing out with the yeah but that was unlikely and that was unlikely and this is more likely and this is more likely and that's what you get you get a slightly below average offense right uh you know the, yeah and i i totally felt it with the otani and trout you just have this feeling like ah crap these guys are coming out uh coming up there's men on base there's only one out it's like this is a mess this is not a good situation and in to fairness be in. We should say those are they're like literally <laughs> them and Aaron Judge. Yeah. It's like I mean they you know they are on their own tier, but the point I think stands. Right, absolutely. This isn't like they're not easy to acquire, or easy to develop talents. Uh, absolutely, they're they're on a tier of their own. Uh, but it, it's it, like just having someone like that in the lineup that it makes like getting Mickey Moniak out all the more important. It's like. You got to get this guy, otherwise you're in a disaster situation, right? So it, it's it's just interesting how that plays out and how that kind of feels uh, watching the game. And I'm sure as a manager, you have to feel that as well. Uh, and these are all things that I feel like. So when it's interesting, I, I we're gonna see, we're going to hear. We've already heard a lot about like. David Ross's job, uh, Jed Hoyer's job, who's to blame, who's on the hot seat. My general feeling, while there will be more pressure by the end of the season, as long as things don't end up like, you know, 95, 100 losses, which is possible, right? Like things could, especially if they sell and and we don't know what type of talent, although I do think they have enough uh, interesting talent in the minors that that it could, uh, you could have a second half like last year type situation. Uh all things we can discuss later, but when you talk about Jed Hoyer being on the hot seat, I think what you have to kind of consider is, are these things that he just did not see coming? Are these things that he just didn't plan for or like was like shocked by a turn of events? I don't think you can say that. I, I mean, these are all things he kind of told us. He warned us about... Bullpen didn't have enough money to go out and get five, six guys and hope that two of them, uh, hope that two of them uh, work out. Right? Didn't, didn't, didn't 
have that ability to spread the money around uh, and and have the failures like the the Rex brothers and the and the who am I forgetting? So like you know the the guys that didn't work out that we don't remember as much because we focus on Tapera, Chafin, uh, and and all the guys over the years that that uh, Chris Martin, all the guys that have succeeded over the years, we ignore the failures. Uh, they didn't have that ability to spread that out. Uh, Jed talked about the lack of power. He talked about the lack of star, star power in the offense. He wasn't blind to that. Uh, he knows that his rotation relies on the defense and needed an elite defense. Has it been an above average, very good defense? Yes. Is it an elite defense? Not so much. It hasn't been there. So these are all things that he kind of knew could go wrong. So this isn't like, well, I expected this to happen it's what you said brett like a lot of these we they needed some things to go right and not many of them have like the 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 bullpen arms fulmer and boxberger didn't work out i will say that boxberger i mean fulmer looks much better lately finally looking like the guy he's also also not pitching in the biggest situations but that doesn't matter that, that that's not my point uh he, he didn't work out right so far he hasn't worked out in what was expected uh Trey Mancini, overall, yeah, like a past month and a half, maybe the numbers are okay, but but overall the numbers are bad. Uh, it's just like it doesn't work. Uh, the young guys haven't impacted like you'd want them to. Jeremiah Estrada, uh, he's he hasn't been sent down, right? Um, I I don't. It, Right? Okay. I, 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 love it. I, Sorry, assume, I, I thought he asked. was going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know he how you use him, yet. right? Uh, like, and that's that's a big factor. Keegan Thompson struggling, big factor. Uh, Matt Mervis not being immediate impact, right? You need, like I said about the Reds, you need some of these young guys to come up and, and immediate impact. Chris Morrell did, but it didn't. It, it was in like this weird time when, when things just weren't going right. Like uh, other factors were impacting the team uh, and couldn't really spark a winning streak of any sort. And now Morrell's in a deep, deep funk. Uh, it, like Hayden Wisniewski, uh, kind of a step back after a brilliant start last season. So it, a lot of these things that just didn't go right. Uh, you could say, but there are things that did go right. Sure. Uh, fine. I, like the Dansby Swanson signing looks great. I think that's a, right now. That's a, that's a good signing. Uh, looks like you have pieces to build around. Uh, I think, I think the point is they, at some point uh, we, that star in the, in the in the middle of the lineup needs to be found and you you need the pitching that you have hyped up that as uh having developed to come up and impact all aspects of the team in particular the bullpen you don't want to have to go out and spend jed's just not going to be that guy i don't think unless it's the finishing touches he's not going to be the guy that spends a lot of money on the bullpen so like all these little things added up they they weren't things that were surprised by it's just that it's just that they've all happened in the negative fashion instead of the positive and now you end up with this team that's nine games under 500 uh my point is i don't think you can say jed hoyer should be uh or i don't think fans that are looking for sweeping changes are going to get them like it, these are all things that in all likelihood jed has uh, jed is aware of and knew could uh, happen uh and and that there was a kind of a plan in place for 24 and 25 to be the real deal. I mean, Patrick and I wrote this. This isn't stuff that we're rewriting. Could they have competed? I agree with Brett. I would never. I didn't go into this season as an automatic sell, 
they had a chance to compete. Those things didn't go right. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure, side if you're writing 2024 and 2025, like, in your analysis of the U Darvish trade in the moment, <laughs> like, I think if you're evaluating David Ross and Jed Hoyer, you're, you have to consider how Tom Ricketts set this up. And he is someone who views things as a flow over time, kind of five-year windows. Uh, he does not make rash decisions in general. He does not kind of overreact to one season. These are largely, you know, good qualities, but uh, it's going to wear very thin, uh, you know, for Cubs fans who have heard a lot about uh, all this, you know, all the stuff they figured out on the pitching side and you just, we're just not seeing it. And uh, you would think that by now there would be more talent bubbling up and then, you know, the Cubs can rave about their prospects and hype up every guy, but then you like see the Reds lineup and you're like, oh wow, like that's what it's supposed to look like. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Contours of the season are, are very clearly defined. Like they are going to sell unless what we talked about, what, three episodes ago? Something, some crazy winning streak that we have not seen before happens. And I do think... Jed is open to that. Jed is hoping for that. Um, I think there are certain things that you can point to of like why things could correct if you're on the optimistic side. But I mean, at this point, I think the Cubs are on pace for like 93 losses. Like there's just like no way around that. Like just how... And I don't know if you've even caught like underperforming because I think sometimes we get caught in like a Cubs bubble and other people I've talked to like outside of Chicago, you know, when they ask me, you know, kind of what's going on. And if I say certain things, like they look at me with this weird look, like, did people think the Cubs are going to be good this year? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure if sometimes we get caught up in the day to day so much and we hear certain narratives so much. But then people on the outside watching a 30,000 foot view are like, oh, well, this is, I mean, the Cubs were, they weren't going to make the playoffs this year, uh, make the best of the trade deadline. And yeah, they got some nice young talent, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I get, I get a lot of that too, even from within some Cubs fan spaces, yeah. you know, that, well, you, you didn't think the Cubs were going to be good <laughs> this year. And it's like, well, no, we didn't think the Cubs were going to be quote good this year, but I think the ways in which they have been bad can always catch you off guard. And I think, you know, I'm trying to think of another sport parallel, but 
everybody thinks their bullpen is bad. Every, every fan of every team every year thinks their bullpen is bad, right? That's just a, just because of the way you notice when you notice the bullpen, it's, it's close and it's late and you serve everybody. Everybody thinks their bullpen is messed up. That hasn't been the case for Cubs fans who've been paying attention over the last decade or decade plus. It's like the bullpen always ended up being good. You know, you break it down and it's like, Oh, they they just, they, they've got this. Didn't matter the personnel in the bullpen. It didn't even matter the coaching staff. Really. It was sort of, if it was like the fruit of the Theo Epstein tree, if it bore one thing, it was that, oh, they can piece together, cobble together a bullpen. And I think that is a piece that is really smacking me hard over the last few weeks where we've passed the point where it is typically sorted. Um, This is, in my recollection, the deepest it's gone into a season where you would say, while they really do not have this figured out. I remember there was at least one year in the Joe Madden era where there were a good, it was a good month and a half, two months where it was like, they, they really got to figure out what they have and who to use where, but then they did figure it out. And this time around, I'm not sure that's going to happen. And I think that, uh, you know, hearkening back to something Sahadev said earlier about like, you know, what, what are the things that Jed Hoyer would have said, um, you, you know, are going away that he wouldn't have predicted. Um, and, I've got to believe the bullpen's one of them. I mean, I understand that he he did he made the comment or or alluded to the fact that maybe the money wasn't there to add one more arm, but he also has said he wants a homegrown bullpen. I mean, that's that's not new. That's been the plan. And when you have a year where guys like Rowan Wick fell off the map, uh, Keegan Thompson fell off the map, Brandon Hughes has really been quite bad, under discussed. In fact, that he's been quite bad. It might not be his fault. It might be a physical thing, but he's been bad. Jeremiah Estrada completely fallen apart. Um, depth guys who we were talking about in spring training, you know, an Anthony K type. Have you, have we mentioned that name since, since March? No. Um, because he's been mediocre at Iowa and there are a number of guys like that. And so I, I would say, the, the the right question isn't is that Jed's fault you know that all the that this confluence of you know four guys especially four young guys who were like homegrown and thought to be solid parts of the pen you know nobody was anticipating Keegan Thompson falling apart that was not on anyone's radar until maybe some some wonky things started to show in the spring so I don't think it's the right question to say um, you know is it Jed's fault that these all these things befell the bullpen. Um, I think the question is, well, if if that isn't, then how much credit do you get in the other years? And was the depth actually as good as it looked on paper when you're trying to evaluate guys based on spring performances and projections and underlying metrics from minor leagues and all of these kinds of things? And I don't know, for every Julian Merriweather who's been fantastic since that first outing, and it's like, I want to give the Cubs pitching infrastructure credit for that. You know, they finally got him to stay healthy and effective. And he's living to the promise at 31 that he showed for years, like with the Blue Jays. Great. I want to give credit. But what the hell happened with the other four guys that are all falling apart? It's like there has to be some measure of analysis there. Uh, and it's it, it's not about who to blame. It's, well, what happened? And could this have been prevented either by ensuring that it didn't happen to these guys you know, did, did you try to do something that maybe didn't take? I can think of someone uh, in that vein. Or did you just not have the quality of depth that you thought 
and um, that's where I get that's what's really been hitting me the last few weeks of the bullpen because it's like yeah David Ross only has a few guys he can trust but where's the backfill you know when it's like when Michael Rucker comes back up yesterday and it's like oh well thank god they got him back at least I mean I don't know he hasn't really established himself either so I, I just I that's where I my head is kind of turning right now with with bullpen stuff so I think there's one other thing, a couple other things you're not considering here. One, and I know you know this. I've considered everything. <laughs> that you didn't mention, and I know you know this, but bullpens are the, the most volatile uh, aspect in baseball, right? You can come into a season feeling incredibly confident, not just the team and within the organization, but outside everyone saying, well, they got that locked down, and it all goes to hell. It could be one injury sets everything apart. One one guy having an off season can throw off an entire bullpen sometimes. Uh, with the in the Cubs case, I think their depth was youth, right? And that's really risky when your depth is youth because uh, yes, you you mentioned guys like K. There there's someone Tyler Duffy, uh, Vinny Natoli, right? These are these weren't yeah they're all gone. Two of the two of the three are gone. Um, the depth of veteran guys didn't like even make it to the big leagues the the young guys just haven't been good enough I mean we we should see another wave here at some point but it's going to be more like uh trialing things out for 2024 would be my guess this isn't like it like I said to start this off like right right we're not gonna see so I mean a lot of things went wrong too you nailed that with Keegan and Hughes I mean those were the guys last year right coming into this year you look at the bullpen and you say uh Keegan Hughes uh Alzali that's a nice start for a young bullpen right I'm probably missing one name in there probably Estrada too you can although I I was a little concerned even last year because it's like yeah you see flashes it's like can this guy like actually throw anything other than the fastball um and you know I I I hope he figures out whatever's going on uh but that's that that right now is really rough uh I, I don't know. I, I think bullpens are so uh, up and down that it, it's it's too bad that it's happened in a year when, when they had hoped to compete any of the previous two bullpens. I think we, we, we may be having a slightly different discussion, right? They, they probably wouldn't be nine games under. They may not be a good team, but I don't know if they'd be nine games under if they had like uh, – Chafin, Tapera, and, and those guys are Chris Martin and Michael Gibbons and who who's the and, and David Robertson, right? Like last year's bullpen to start the season, we're we're probably having a different podcast right now, uh, if that's the one that they had this year. That type of uh shutdown and ability to handle late innings and big moments. I think hopefully it would be very healthy if this is just like kind of the end of overhyping Cubs prospects to just this unbelievable degree. I mean, it happened leading up to 2016 and the Cubs hit on an amazing collection of talent, but like every guy throwing a hundred in Iowa, isn't the answer. Like that's great. If you crush international league pitching, there's a huge gap from there to being just a regular major league contributor. And I feel like this season in particular was the one of just like, like, whether it was Mervis watch or, you know, Estrada should be your closer. Like there was just a lot of that. 
uh, this year, and it, it just kind of all came together that really left the Cubs exposed that, you know, their young talent uh, either isn't as good uh, as they claimed or just wasn't quite ready. Or, you know, going back to the Reds again, like seeing them at Wrigley just, you know, you know blow the Cubs away. Uh, and then they called up the number one prospect in baseball after that. It's like, you know, P. Carl Armstrong should be a really good major league player, but like, I don't know, he's not here yet. And he's still got, you know, a couple levels to go and probably a long way to go to reach that status where he's like a dependable part of a major league lineup. And then from there, um, I think it would be wise to just not get so overheated every time a guy in Myrtle Beach or South Bend, you know, throws a hundred or, you know, has a great game. It's just like, it's a really long, hard process. And, you know, as the Cubs have dipped into that, um, there has been much. I mean, and, you know, the guys who have made an impression are some of the guys we've overlooked, you know, like Miguel Amaya, the way catch, uh, pitchers talk about him uh, is really impressive. Even, you know, Christopher Morrell, I kind of laugh, like looking at where he was ranked on Cubs prospect listings, you know, it was like, you know, not making the top 20 or also mentioned. It's like, do you really think the Cubs have like 21 other prospects with more like athleticism and baseball talent? Like over the last 20 years, like, come on, like much less in that one snapshot. So I think to your point, Brett, of like kind of asking what happened, like doing that deep dive is something the Cubs absolutely have to do and to not um, fall in love with their prospects and maybe be a little creative uh, at this trade deadline. I don't really know exactly what that meant. And Scott Efros was clearly a really good player, but that's what they did last year in trading for Wisniewski of like, you maybe not thinking of it. So like, okay, we trade Marcus Stroman for some dude in, uh, at an A-ball affiliate, or maybe there are guys who are under club control or just, there are only so many windows in the calendar. We can actually make these trades and, we just need to see if, and this is me just thinking off the top of my head, if, if Jed does do something different uh, in response to this. Well, the funny thing is, and you're not wrong on any of that, so this isn't me disagreeing with you. It's just funny that two of the times in recent memory when they have tried to do something a little different than like that in cell mode, uh, obviously the, the Efros Wisniewski one, I think, is is a success. No matter what happens from here, I think that was a, that was a good call and a good good move pulled off but a couple others you know you had chris martin for zach mckinstry who never really got a shot with the cubs they dumped him at the end of spring training and now he's playing quite well for the tigers uh, and then you also had the craig kimbrell trade where the return is cody hoyer whose elbow uh, popped soon thereafter and he's still rehabbing at iowa and nick madrigal who couldn't hack it with the big league team this year and he's raking at iowa right now so i you know it's funny how we to 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 make two points in one so there's one the other is to your point about not overhyping guys who are performing you know even in the upper levels of the minors nick madrigal is laying waste to triple a i mean he is it's a short stretch it's only been two weeks but the numbers he's putting up are mind-bogglingly good and yet nobody's hyping that because we got to experience him in the big leagues and we learned like oh yeah that doesn't that's not how it translates and i, I hate to be the I don't want to be a doom boner guy, but if you look up and down the Iowa stat sheet, there are a lot of guys with big league experience who didn't quite make it 
who are putting up huge numbers for Iowa right now. And so let that be the reminder that even when a prospect is putting up huge numbers there in the minors, you know, it either may not translate at all, or it may take some, some serious time to translate. Um, all right, let's leave it there. Uh, I'm not even going to pretend as though the, the Cubs uh, in the next three days till we talk to you again on Monday are going to flip the switch and be like, oh, wait, actually, they did take the next four on the road trip. And now we, you know, maybe maybe hold off on the selling talk. I think that's just the world we're going to be in going forward. And we'll, we'll continue to talk about the issues that they're facing and bright spots and, and what have you. But that's the... That's the mindset that I have going forward, that I'm that I'm the lens through which I'm evaluating the next six weeks. And I'd be very surprised if the Cubs don't put that hat on internally very soon as well, because there's work to be done. If you're going to be selling, there's work to be done. So uh, that's uh, Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's the of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you as always. Hope you have a safe and healthy and happy weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Take care all.